My name is Chris Brett and welcome to Just Fucking Win on Saturday at 3. On this episode, we'll be looking ahead to Rangers game against Kilmarnock at Ibrox in the Scottish Premiership. Joining me to go through this, first of all, is Scott. Scott, how you doing? Nice to be here again, although rather cheery night. <laughs> um, and joining Scott and I is producer Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Howdy, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm okay, you know, given the circumstances. You know, well, I'll uh, check in me at the end of the pod just to see if you're still the same, mate. Um, well, obviously, we looked back in the Celtic game, and Scott, you weren't on that pod, so I'll give you a couple of minutes to air your thoughts, frustrations, uh, grievances, or maybe, just maybe, you've seen something that a lot of us didn't, and you could actually see maybe some positives, but I very much doubt that. Nah, for me, just <clears throat> it's the assimilation of this team when it gets to a final, and a lot of the players within the overall squad that it's a capitulation with that loser mentality that they don't know how to get it over the line. Um, plenty of players that I would bring into that equation. Your Hall of Fame captain setting the example, being one of them. Um, and again, criminal display of the usual, how we can see goals down the right like nobody's business. But too many people not doing the basics, not doing their job. And I think it's, it's, it's evident over a season and a half of underinvestment in the playing squad, resting on our laurels, and yeah, just an absolute shambles. I mean, it pains me to say it, but it's not what you expect as a Rangers fan, but from this current crop of players, it's what you expect in a final. And that's, I've had a couple of days to put it to bed and a couple of days to not think about it. We are going to focus, obviously, looking forward in Kilmarnock in this podcast, but for me, it's, it's what it's come to expect and it's not good enough for Rangers. Um, but I think, unfortunately, the, the generation of fan now has been bred to accept mediocrity and accept results like this, which is not part of this club. Yep. Um, I can't really disagree with that. Usually when we're looking to preview a game, we will take some sound bites from the press conferences and we will discuss them. Uh, over the last couple of months, it's usually been injury updates and possible team selection and maybe players that we've been linked with. Um, whereas this uh, press conference was pretty much heavily dominated by the Celtic game because the inquest is still going. So I think it's important that we discuss it. Um, not in real depth but uh, give more time to it than we usually do uh, first thing I'll say before I even talk about anything that was said by Michael Beale and John Lundstrom I think two of them um, did not account themselves well in the press conferences I felt uh, Michael Beale was the figurehead of the club did not fill me with confidence if anything he increased the fear that is ever increasing within me about him as a manager Uh and, and that fear only started at five o'clock on Sunday after the full-time muscle. I never had it previously, but now it's it's accelerating at a rapid rate. And uh, I have serious concerns, but he has he, he has time. So he can still obviously shut down those fears within me. And obviously I hope he does. But right now I am very much um, pessimistic when it comes to Michael Beal as a Rangers manager. Uh, and that is... Maybe reactionary, but I think there's a lot of substance behind it. I wouldn't just say that for the sake of it. As many people think I do, but I really wouldn't just say that for the sake of it. I think I've seen enough now to be worried. And uh, as I say, to be fair to Bill, he does have time to iron that out. But the fact is we could be playing Celtic 
twice more this season, at least uh, at minimum, uh, three times at maximum if we come up against them in the cup. Uh, and if there's no positives coming for that, then yeah, he's 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 under extreme pressure already. John Lundstrom, uh, we'll come to John Lundstrom and we'll come to John Lundstrom. Um, so Andrew. Uh, first thing he said, Michael Beale, was there was lots of disappointment because we didn't perform on the day. That won't go away quickly, but we have to move forward. We went into the game in a good in good form, and we need to keep going. That was our first defeat in 17 games, so we're not a bad team overnight. Andrew, because we haven't been beaten in 17 games, that doesn't make us a good team overnight either. And the failure, as Scott alluded to in the cup final, is something that we've seen time and time again, and it's something that we feared uh, getting into the game with this particular group of players. Now, Andrew, I know you're a very uh, pragmatic uh, thinker when it comes to this kind of stuff, especially press conferences. He's not going to turn around and say they're all shit and all this kind of stuff. I get that. But I talk about, or, or I spoke about gaslighting um, with Bill when he said that this team is winners. He said to you that we're not a bad team overnight, so that suggests that we were a good team prior to the defeat against Celtic, but we were nine points behind. Um, we lost the league last season with the same same group of players. So what, what, what one is it for you? Are, are, are we an average team? Are we a good team? Or is it just having to say this? Because obviously, to your point that I know you, you that you have said previously, it can't just turn around and say that they're all shit. I mean, yeah, this is... I, for me, I always take anything any manager says in any press conference with a pinch of salt. Like you said, he's not going to come out and say, actually, about half these players are all garbage. I need to get rid of them because um, they're not going to do it for me. I don't think any manager who's looking to keep his team on side, because ultimately that's what he needs to do, is ever going to do that. But to an extent, he has to try and protect the players as well. He's come out and said, the result of the game is on me. Later on, when we come to Lundstrom's press conference, he said the performance from us isn't on the managers, it's on us. So clearly there's there's something between those two, right? Um, you could say it's a fucking combination of both of them. They both had to come together to screw that one up. But for me, what, what press conferences come down to is trying to keep the noise away from the players, from the manager's perspective. He doesn't want to hand the press a rod to beat the players with. We've already seen that from Michael Beale this season, you know, especially with the uh, actions in the Partick Thistle Cup tie, where he acted to try and protect Malik Tillman from what was almost certainly going to be horrific press attention. So that's all I think this is. I don't think he's going to come out and say, Actually, no, we're just a subpar average team. We're second best to Celtic. Even if that is the case, and I think a lot of people can see that that is the case at the moment, I don't think we'd ever see a Rangers manager coming out and saying, actually, we're fucking shit compared to them. You know, I, I just, I, I don't ever see that happening. To an extent, and I mean, you, you've said in the past that, it, you know, it's kind of gaslighting or, or that kind of behaviour. I don't really see it as that. I just see it as you're trying to put the best possible spin onto things. Um and their, their record in the league does speak for itself. Ten wins in the last 11 games under Bill. So, you know, they, they've not cocked that aspect of it up so far. They have got results. So from that perspective, they, they've been a good team in the league. They've got an equal record with the current leaders of the, of the league. So I don't think he's completely unjustified in saying that. Do, do you see these players as being... Uh players part of a Michael Beal team and can you compartmentalise the fact uh, away from the fact that this uh, as you say has been a perfect run of form in the league 
nearly perfect, nearly perfect. Nearly perfect, but can you compartmentalise the, uh, the, the, the other side of the argument, which is four out of the last five years, uh, well, yeah, three, three out of the last four years, sorry, if I'm not including this year, this is what this Rangers team have done, fall behind Celtic when it really matters. And then oh, lose. totally. Yeah, yeah. But you have to, to a degree. That's the, feeling, th- that's the feeling of the fans. I, I get what you're saying. For Beal, they have been almost perfect in the league. I get that. But the fans, this isn't a new team. This is the same team doing the same things. And it, we cannot now get that out of our head, the fact that they are. And, you know, I, I make no... Uh, I get no enjoyment. I call them what I'm about to call them. I really don't. Uh, actually, it's quite hurtful that I need to call them this particular word. Um, they are losers. So that's absolutely fair, right? But it's not exactly the same squad. We do have some of the familiar old faces around, and I suspect we will see a lot of movement on that come the summer, or at least I hope that's the case. Otherwise, we are going to find ourselves in exactly the same position. But we've got Ben Davis in central midfield. I suspect Cantwell and Raskin will also be starters come next year. And we know that there will be changes up front as well in terms of Kent and Morelos. Um, That's what, seven new starters that we'll see come next season, almost certainly. And that's before Just, before, we, before we even get into the other ones. And so my point is, despite what these players have done under previous managers, admittedly, given that Bill was part of a previous managing squad, he's, he's only got to be able to judge these players and what they've done for him. And he's never going to turn around and say, these guys are serial losers. We're never going to get results out of them. Any manager who's doing that is almost guaranteeing that those players are not going to show up for them for the rest of the season. Michael Beale's not a stupid man. He wants to keep this job. He wants to keep these players on side to whatever extent he can so he can get through this league and hopefully pick up a trophy at the end of it if he can do better in the Scottish Cup, go one further than they did uh, in the League Cup. He he has to find a way to motivate these players. Coming out at a press conference and saying, you guys are serial losers, actually, and I don't rate you, is not going to achieve that for him. Just on your point about uh, potential changes in the summer, uh, Bill does um, touch upon this. He mentioned something, obviously, about the game plan. It didn't go to the way he wanted it to go at the weekend. Rangers are capable of more than that. The team should have played with more clarity. We lacked quality and composure. Um, he says we have to move forward. We have to improve quickly. Um, Scott, so this is a point that I want to bring you in here. He says there are big decisions to make at the club and we will action them in the summer. I have been clear on the decisions that need to be made. Uh, that was even before Sunday. We have a number of games to play. Since I came back to the club, we have made steady progress. I think we need to recruit three or four that will make a massive impact. We need to sort out the futures of a few and we may need to change one or two who are still in contract. Um, he kind of then goes on to say that uh, changes will happen in the summer. I'm not shying away from the changes required. The team needs to show more, and that starts with me leading it. I don't want someone's in the league to overshadow the work we need to do. We need to reduce the number and increase the quality. Uh, so he's very open about the fact that there, there will be big changes. Andrew says uh, seven or eight or six or seven. Sorry, Andrew, I can't remember what he said. Six or seven, seven or eight. Bill says three or four. Now, I agree with Andrew. It needs to be minimum seven, and the manager's saying three or four. So does that fill you with any enthusiasm, Scott? I genuinely think that today was probably the best or the most fitting of a Rangers manager interview or press conference that Michael Beale's had since he came to the club. Too much of this getting involved in shit with pundits and not dem- lowering yourself to their level and not 
befitting of a Rangers manager that you should be. So I thought today it was very fair. I thought today he gave quite an honest assessment. Um, first and foremost, he has said that there is a lot of work to do. And even based on the performance that the team gave him in the second half, there's still a hell of a lot of work to do. Um, I think he understands, obviously, that the goldfish bowl that is Glasgow, that obviously it doesn't go hand in hand with time. I think even the most optimistic Rangers fans just now are going to sit and concede that the league is pretty much gone. Um, However, I don't think that the same... I think last year when we won the Scottish Cup, it was very much used by the board as... Well, we got to a European final and we won the Scottish Cup and that is a successful season. Listen, we've lost the League Cup. We've been embarrassed in Europe this year. We're probably going to finish second in the league. If we win the Scottish Cup, if you guarantee, if you can count that as a successful season for Rangers Football Club, then you don't deserve to be there, whether you're a player, a manager or a member of the board. So I think the mentality that he's tried to instill in the players for the rest of the season is that ignore the pressure, ignore the noise. It's us against us. We need to show... Because... In their own way, I think all of them admitted today, it's Rangers against Rangers. Instead of saying, no, we're going to turn this league around and we're going to go and we're going to beat them twice and we're going to do this and we're going to do that, it's we need to show that we're more capable of handling these games and we need to show that we can give a bit more and stuff like that. So it's not quite the mentality that we want. But again, as you've said, we're a bunch of losers. If that's the, the mentality they've got, you can only take baby steps. I can't believe we've actually got some motivational speaker in this week to tell them that whether they think they can or they can't, they're right and that they need to believe in themselves and all this birthday card pish when the majority of them just need a fucking kick up the arse and if they've not got it, they've not got it. I'll agree with Bill in the sense that I think we need four quality signings, but what he's alluded to by the sounds of it, obviously with the question about obviously good players cost money and you, you, you know what the journal was getting at there. I think he's been told that for him to get the four or five signings that he's wanting he has to significantly reduce the wage bill. And that is the retirees, that is the dead wood, that is the always injured, that is the has a heart condition and hasn't fucking kicked the ball for us, that is a signing that we probably shouldn't have made or two. So he has to absolutely demolish this squad. And on top of all that, he needs to get rid of the players who, in all honesty, just aren't good enough. So... I think we need three or four quality signings to make us a strong start in 11. And a couple of years ago, before 55, I believed that we were a better squad. Uh, sorry, we were a better team than Celtic. But that year when we went on to lose it, we didn't have the depth. In 55, we were a better squad than Celtic. I don't think there's too much within the teams, again, at the moment. But our squad depth has plummeted and Celtic have a stronger overall squad they can have somebody that can come in and hit the ground running and replace. You see every time that subs board goes up, unless it's Cantwell and Raskin coming on, you're cringing because you're worried who's coming on. So I think I think there's a lot to take for the conference today. And I think, albeit it was very respectful, and I think credit to him as well, he didn't go down the biting line of things when he said, I'm not going to say that there's not much between the teams. Celtic are worthy of their nine-point lead to just now, and they certainly are. I think he gave a good, open, honest, frank and respectful interview and I think it's long overdue since he's come in as manager. I would agree with the sentiment, Scott, about this is probably his most mature uh, interview, press conference, whatever you want to call it, since he came in. There was no bullshit 
there was no talking in riddles. Um, there was clear, precise answers, but this, the answers he was given still didn't fill me with much hope. Um, and that's where I came to uh, my conclusion at the start of the show, where I'm, I'm getting more worried. One thing he did say that particularly interested me, Andrew, was he was asked, did you learn anything about the team on Sunday that you didn't already know? And he simply said yes, but I believe that he said something like that will stay internal, um, something along the lines. It just it, it, it replied yes essentially, but never um, alluded alluded to what. So this is just pure speculation, um, and that's what I mean. That's that's the nature of podcasting, isn't it? It's, you, you, we can only guess uh, unless we have the actual facts, and in this particular scenario, we do not have the actual facts. So, what do you think he's learned, Andrew? Uh, for me. I'm surprised that he's learned something new about this team, which is quite clearly a negative, because it's not going to be a positive, is it? Um, and that that comes that that feeds into my being more worried narrative. How has he only learned something new about this team, which is obviously a negative after a defeat in a cup final, when this is the norm for this uh, particular bunch of players? Did he learn something new about? Malik Tillman, did they learn something new about Ben Davis? Did they learn something new about Raskin and Cantwell? Because they're, they're like the only new players, if you will, that Bill wasn't aware of. Um, so I'm struggling to see what it is he's learnt because he should already have known it. I think what he has learned is that he cannot motivate some of these players during a half-time team talk because I suspect that's exactly what he was intended to do when he sent the same team out after that half-time, after that first half. Players like Kamara and Lundstrom who were, I think, all identified as the weak points in that team, were players that he previously had spoken highly of. I strongly suspect that either one or both of those won't be around this club come the next season. I hope that that, that, that would be the case, because as you've said before, Lundstrom seems to be you know, still coasting off of a purple patch that happened over a year ago. Um, Kamara has looked like he wants to be at a different club and has done since well this season started so all I, all I can think is that it is about his ability and his trust in some of these players in terms of what he can get out of them because he's seen previously during his time as manager what he can get out of some of these players but this is probably the the biggest game since the old firm that we had previously at the start of the year and he saw exactly what he could expect out of some of these players in terms of his ability to motivate them and coach them and where they were lacking. So I think that is what I think that's probably what he's alluding to there in terms of what he's learned, because we obviously watch the teams every week. But Michael Beale, to a degree, has to back himself to say, I've seen what these players can do under previous managers and I've seen what they can do under different coaching setups. And I've been part of the coaching setup before, but I've never been the guy. I've not been the one in charge. So to an extent, he has to back himself and say, I think I can get something different out of these players. And I think what he's learned in that past game, there are some players that are probably not going to fit in well in terms of what he wants to do with this team going forward. Scott, I'll actually bring you in here. What was your interpretation of it? I agree wholeheartedly with Andrew there. I think the the way he summed it up right at the end was I think he maybe believes he could get more out of certain players that, in all honesty, just don't have it. And he's been quite happy to give them the benefit of the doubt, clean slate, new manager. And maybe it's just sinking in now that you need to realise these players just aren't good enough. Some of them anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, oh, that's fair. So John Lundstrom uh, was the player chosen or volunteered to take this uh, press conference. Now, I don't know how it works. David from Heart and Hand assumes that Lundstrom would have volunteered for this rather than been chosen because that's his character. Okay, I could probably get him bored with it. But I'll tell you this, out of the 11 that started on Sunday, Lundstrom would have been my bottom two for who I wanted to see sitting in front of the media and talking to us as fans. I did not want to see him um, doing press duties, especially after this game. Now, I'm going to try and be really uh, unemotive here. I will try and not be irrational. I'll, I'll try and call it for what I see, but I've got a serious problem with Lundstrom that started well before Sunday. Um, I don't think he's good enough. I think he's kidding us on and himself on. Um, but when I started seeing the sound bites coming through for the things he was saying, I was getting more and more angry. And if we want to talk about issues in our squad, this is one of the biggest we've got, this guy. So I'll start with the thing that really pissed me off the most, and then we'll get to the other thing that, quite frankly, it didn't even annoy me. I, I, I actually believe that he believes what he said, and it's just stupid. I, I don't get it. So we'll start with the first thing. Um, and Scott, I'll come to you for this. So Lundstrom said it's been a tough week, especially on a personal level after that for a day or two. Trying to look forward to the game at the weekend and put that right. There's loads to learn. I think it's tough to put your finger on what went wrong. Right. What? Really? It's tough to put your finger on what went wrong. Okay. They came out and we didn't play to our standards. Well, actually, John, this is a, this is a problem. You did play to your standards. Of course, I understand the anger. As players, we're angry. I take responsibility for my own performance. There's anger in the performance and anger in the team. There's no one more angrier than us, the players. <sighs> Scott, uh, yeah, John Lundstrom says that the players are angrier than the fans. It's a funny way of fucking showing it. Um, firstly, I'll say credit to John Lundstrom for actually coming out and taking the interview because, as you, I agree with you, he was one of the worst performers on Sunday. But... Like it or not, he's stepped up and whether he's volunteered or whether he's been asked to do it and he's had the balls to accept it. But certainly an interview where you'd expect anybody with a an iota of leadership or captaincy instilled within them, they'd come out and take the heat and fucking basically man up and give a good, honest leader's assessment of the performance and how they're going to make it right. Secondly, there's no making it right. Making it right is winning the league which by the looks of it isn't going to happen. You can go and fuck Kelly 6-0. At the end of the day, we walked away without a trophy and you're expected to beat Kelly. There's no making it right. There's just not adding to the pressure until time guarantees that we forgot or we've learned to care not so much about that loss. So there is no making it right by beating Kelly and focusing on the next game. It's not mounting the pressure more on yourselves. Um in terms of, oh, we never played to what we're capable with or to, to the standards that we set, well, I don't know. You've not given as much this season to believe that you do play any significant standard. When you look back at some of the, the two and three nils against teams that we've got a significantly better squad than or should have a better squad than, there's been a red card issued in the game in the opposition teams. We've had a penalty or whatever. I was like, regardless of the score this season, can any Rangers fan honestly say they've been impressed or they've been delighted with the quality of football they've seen, the chances created, the finishing, the defence? And that's us just moving on to a team who we beat by a goal when they were down to 10 men the last time. So I, I just think it's it's past words now. Um, and right, it's just another excuse. We've heard, we've heard the excuses before and 
we're sick of hearing them. We don't want to hear excuses. We want you to hear you say, you know what, I can't live up to the standards set by Rangers, so I'm not worthy of being here. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Andrew, he went on to say, it's one game. We didn't turn up. They turned up. The combination wasn't good. I don't think there's a massive gap between the teams, even if I looked, even if it looked like it at the weekend. Success for this club is running the league. We want to push Celtic as close as we can and get ourselves to the Scottish Cup final. We want to get to the Scottish Cup final. I'll repeat that again. He wants to get to the Scottish Cup final. Nothing about winning it. He just wants to get to the final. We're building and focusing on our game at the weekend and trying to put things right. He then goes on to say again, I don't think the gap is massive. We've showed we're a really good team. When? I just felt we weren't ourselves on the day and didn't get it right. I just want to win trophies with this football club. I welcome new additions to the midfield, but what will help us as we move forward in the future. Well, John, if you're looking forward to new additions in the midfield, mate, and you want to stay here, uh, I'd be very worried if I was you because uh, I, we do need additions in the midfield to replace guys like you. Andrew, John Lundstrom says that this was just one of those things that happens. We had a, we had an off day and th- that can happen. Um, the gap isn't that big. Don't worry about it. We've got this sorted because we're working on our game and we will get closer to them. Uh, listen, Andrew, I anticipate you will actually see some substance in that, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just utter bullshit. The gap is as big as it has been in a... It's, since Gerard arrived, this is as big a gap as it's been. We're getting closer to the Pedro Murray Warburton gap than we are to the Gerard gap. That the gap is widening. I don't care what anybody says about 55 or Seville. Um, I'm talking about these two particular teams, this current Rangers team, this current Celtic team. The, the gap is, and I'm not even talking about the financial gap, I'm talking about the ability gap. I'm talking about the, the mentality. It is not going to be solved by Michael Beale's three or four players. I'm sorry, it's not. It's going to be closer to what you suggested, Andrew. So, yeah, he's... he's got What's to... your question, Cola? <laughs> my, my question is, what do you make of that? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that interview is absolutely perfectly fair if he's talking about the game that we played in January against them, where it was two good teams who both took it to the edge, where either team could have won it and it ended in a draw. And there was, you know, a bit of fortune about how they managed to get back into the game and probably a bad managerial call in terms of substitutions as well. I don't think it's fair to say "Ah, it's just one game when we collectively looked like we were the second best team for 80 out of the 90 minutes of that game. and never really looked like we were ever going to get back into it. So... I the only the only positive you can or no hell actually you know you can't really put any positive on that what I would say is that the gap is what it exactly what it was right now uh what it was in Gerard's first two seasons it's a nine point gap in the league so there is that but the difference that Gerard had was that he was in the middle of a rebuilding project we are meant to be in a point where we are taking advantage of our successful European run and the cup win, and we're meant to be building on that success. And instead, it looks like in the summer we're going to be rebuilding the team, or we should be rebuilding the team. Um, even in terms of what what Beal said, you know, getting a 25% turnover, um, which I think is another quote that's come out of this um, press conference. That that's that's realistic. I know Chris probably wants more like a 75% turnover in players, but I feel like that's maybe a little less realistic. Um, so in in terms of what Lundstrom's saying, to an extent, he's got to try and protect himself. 
But you're absolutely right. If the new midfield is coming in, it's not to play alongside John Lundstrom at this point. They are coming in to replace John Lundstrom. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, I can defend what Michael Beale said in, um, in his press conference. I can't really defend anything that Lundstrom said here. Scott, you want to have a go at defending him? No, no, not at all. I think uh, it's just the same old tired excuses. And like I said, there's no put, beating Kilmarnock, doesn't he put it right? Beating Kilmarnock stops us getting pissed off at you for something else that you shouldn't be fucking doing. So, in many ways, Scott, beating Kilmarnock might actually piss us off even more. Um, it's just the nature of the Rangers, man. Ah, so well, well, they'll get there and win 1 0 on Saturday and play an absolute shite performance. Yeah. Killy are the uh, the worst away team in the league at the moment, based on their previous performance. So you know, if we go, if they come to us and we struggle, then I yeah, hope this isn't. I hope this isn't Yuri and Crocker moment, Andrew. <laughs> the usual answer. It's just like oh, you be... haven't scored in fourteen games. Exactly. Oh, the, the, this player's never scored against Rangers in his entire career, and then ten minutes later, he goes on and does exactly that. You know, I'll try and avoid doing that. But you know, if that does happen, this oh, Andrew, uh, see it, Andrew, I'm not coming on. You know. <laughs> At the end of the day, Andrew, what does it fucking matter? Like, really, what does it matter? Like, of it course, it's definitely getting much worse than it already is because I suspect Celtic are not going to slip up too much in this league. So yeah. it'd be nice to it'd be nice to try and keep that gap to a, as low as possible. You know, I suppose I suppose my flippant comment there about what does it actually matter actually uh, is relevant to the point that. We're effectively playing bounce games between now and the end of the season. With the exception of the old firm games, they're the only ones that really matter. And then by playing these low-pressure, meaningless games, we'd all get this grandeur of delusion. Sense of security, yep. No, but that's exactly what Bill said today. Was And he put it to a nicer point when he said that, obviously, this is the games where we need to test ourselves and we get, we get an accurate assessment roughly of where we fucking are in the spectrum. He might. He said it in obviously the nicest, politest way possible. Other teams that maybe aren't quite where we are in the journey and stuff like that. He says, "Listen, you can't take twelve results against the pile of shite that is the SPL, and then fucking think that you're going to go out there and beat Celtic." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different match, exactly. and it's a different caliber of opposition. Exactly. Well, it's like it's like we said about you know referring back to the Tyne Castle game, using that as a reference for how he wanted Lundstrom and Kamara to play. Hearts are not Celtic. Um, they, they might be doing really well in terms of the rest of the SPFL, but there's still a 20-point gap between us and them, let alone the gap between them and Celtic. So there's no comparison at all, even with the best of the rest, as it were. Exactly. exactly. It's the, the, gap, the gap between the top two is significantly greater than the gap between the top two. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was going to ask, what kind of reaction are we looking for against Kilmarnock? But it's... We could get a poor reaction, as Scott alluded to, a 1-0 win, maybe even a draw, or Christ, don't even want to even think about a defeat. Well, Chris, what's the name of the podcast, you know? Well, nothing from that. Or we could go out and smash Coman at 6-0. Again, 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 though, but it's, it's, the, week, it's, it's the week after that game. So, if we beat Coman at 1-0 and we beat them 6-0, personally, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Three points in the board and we go, put this game to bed because I'm still angry. I don't care. Exactly. Exactly. So, in essence, we learn nothing either way. Uh, and it's... I I don't know it's, what to expect. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's honestly, it's a double-edged sword for the... Well, it's no, it's no really. It's just it's a no-win situation, sorry, for the Rangers players right now. If yeah. they go out there and they win 1-0 or win 6-0, nobody's going to fucking care. It's expected. 
if they go out there and they draw or they get beat 2-1, the pressure that went on them after Sunday's defeat goes on them tenfold. Mm-hmm. And if they win 6-0, we're still going to be pissed off that we could beat all Celtic. And, and that's that's the reality. Let's try and... I've got two, two last points. We'll focus on Kilmarnock and then we'll come to a more general point about what a good end of the season looks like um, and certainly what a bad end of the season looks like. But Kilmarnock, uh, I've picked two points here. The first point is obviously the manager, Derek McInnes. We know his style of play. Uh, we know Rangers trouble with the low block. Um, so if I can combine the style of play of Kilmarnock with what I would hope would be the reaction from the management staff and the players, does Bill give them... The opportunity to, obviously they're not going to redeem themselves, but the opportunity to show show themselves in a, a better light. Does he go balls out or does he try the methodical breakdown of the low block? Um, and I, I have to say, Kilmarnock at Ibrox, Andrew said it, worst away um, record in the league. I actually feel that many people feel it's a good game to get after, after such a horrific performance uh, in the following Sunday, uh, or the previous Sunday, sorry. Um, but for me, the style of play, and we know what we're going to get from Kilmarnock, it's actually one of those games that I think people will be saying to yourself, fuck, I wish we could have got a different team, you know, a team that isn't going to be more as kind of compact and ugly and murder ball that you get from McKinnon. So, do you I think, I think the first thing we should do is probably go out and wear green and white hoops when we play against Derek McInnes, because he'd pretty much just bend over and accept a rollicking. Um in terms of, like I said, Kelly, regardless of who seemed to be in charge, have always, in recent years, seemed to be one of your sort of stumbling points. And albeit Rugby Park wasn't wasn't ideal at home, we should still be beating them. But in that last game, like I said, down to 10 men and we only beat them by a goal. Albeit, but thankfully, we don't have to worry about James Sands. I think that was the game when I tweeted something about James Sands coming on in 83 minutes and we conceded in the 85th. I'm pretty sure of it. But uh, there could be a few that that's maybe reminiscent of. But again, we have... What is the point in giving a player a set... What is the point in giving, and giving players second chances? Whatever he sees as the strongest squad should be playing in every game, right? Because, as you said, these are effectively bounce games, but we need to win them in the event that they drop points. There's no point in going out there going, oh, it's only Kilmarnock. We'll give fucking Kamara a chance to redeem himself. No, if he's been shit, drop it. Listen, he he's out the team until somebody who takes his place has a worse performance or, or doesn't perform anywhere near the calibre that's expected. So he should be going out every game. And regardless, none of this resting players, looking after players. If I can, oh, we gave him 30. If I can, Ridvan needs a bloody 20 minutes with the reserves. If he's fucking fit, get him on for 20 minutes and start working him way up, whatever. John Souter... No bother, he'll get injured taking his tracksuit off, so I'm not worried about that anyway. But we need to start going nap. Strongest squad every game. One player gets one player's knackered, one player's injured, replace them. Don't start cycling it. We need we need the strongest eleven for every game going forward. Yep. Um Kelly Fretz, it's a bit of an oxymoron that aren't it? Uh Daniel Armstrong had a good game against us at Rugby Park, Andrew. Uh, seems a decent enough player. I think that's well. He had a good sixty minutes against us. Then he got sent off by being an idiot. So you know, apples yeah. and origins. Yeah. Well, anything else you'd like to add about Daniel Armstrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I did think he was a decent player up until that point. But then you know, he proved that he's capable of completely taking himself out of the equation if he chooses to as well. I mean, it's Killy, as you said. It's it's going to be murderable. 
the last game that we had at Ibrooks, we won fairly comfortably, a 2-0 win. Morales and Cholak both getting a goal. I doubt it was a particularly pretty game to watch, but then it was a game involving Killy, so it never was going to be. I think, kind of as Scott alluded to, apart from the 8th, um, we don't have any more midweek games until the end of the season. I think that might change given uh, <coughs> cup results and whatnot if um, if some of those games have to be shuffled around. But broadly speaking, we've got a week gap in between every single match. So I don't think there's any need to be resting any players. Every player is going to have seven days to recover before the next game. So you should be playing your strongest possible 11 and Bill should be using this as an opportunity to find out who out of this current squad he thinks he can still use yeah. and who are the players that are not going to be of any use for him come next season. I don't exactly compare it to that kind of Pedro half season where he came in because he then managed to oversee some of our worst results in our history. Um, Still so time, Andrew. Thanks. Again, you know, yay optimism. Um, but the, the point is you, you need to be using this as an, not necessarily an experimental phase, right? But it is that show me what you've got Prove to me you still want to be here come next season. And if you don't, fine, stay in the stands because we've already got plenty of players sitting up there. You'll have company. Um, I, I, agree, hope- I agree with you there, Andrew. I only hope to disagree with you, Andrew, because... Uh, oh, great, OK. Disagree. I'll tell you why I disagree, right? When Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was sacked, uh, the first point I made was... I'm not worried about the immediate future of Rangers because this pl- this group of players will rally. They'll make certain fans forget about their misdemeanors in the past. I actually, I actually called them this Kent. group of players. I was going to say that. I actually called them. <laughs> going to uh, stop saying this pub. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're they're full blown crimes now. They're full blown felonies. Uh, so this team, these this particular set of players are more than capable of going on a run. And during that run. The, the the previous uh, shortcomings again I think that's too soft a word but we'll, we'll use it for just now the previous shortcomings are quickly forgotten because of the current run of form they save themselves they buy themselves an extra six months at Rangers and then before you know it that six months turns into one season one and a half season two seasons and some particular um, instances with some players three seasons um, and it's all because they're good at resetting themselves they're good at getting themselves back in the horse and then winning the games that don't actually matter as much as the big games that they're failing. And, Andrew, my biggest fear is with your scenario is, yeah, we probably will go on a very, very good run um, towards the end of the season, between now and the end of the season. It might save one or two players that we, we want out, because I, I take your point. It's not going to be a 75% turnover. Players, some players will stay that I'm not happy about, but that is just the nature of the... When you crunch the numbers, the, the probability of that is very high. Um, but... I cannot get on board with us. Show, show me what you've got between now and the end of the season. Show me that I can trust you because ultimately, ultimately, when push comes to shove and it comes to a, a vital game, they are going to let the manager, the club and the fans down. They've shown it time and time and time again. Between now and the end of the season, Bill categorically cannot use this as a proof to me why you ought to be here. It just cannot. The decision for me or the decisions have to have already been made. Um, I, I, I strongly suspect that Michael Beale already knows which of the squads are going to be going. I hope but so. the, my point, I, and I think he alluded to that by saying that he learned something about these players in the previous game that you don't learn against any of the other teams in this league, and especially not when it's a cup game. Because that was a game where he asked certain players to put in a performance and they failed to do so. 
you can you can say it was the wrong team selection, and I do agree with that to a certain extent. But he asked some of those players to go out and perform for him, and a good number of them let him down. Michael Beale used to be the disciplinarian under Gerrard. Um, he always kept himself away from the boys to an extent, and I, I think we will see that side of him going forward, or at least I hope that that's the case, because some of these players have run their race, and I think. As I said towards the start of this, some of them he needs to keep on side until the end of the season because he doesn't really have another choice. But a lot of these players, I think, professionally are done under Beal because of how they've conducted themselves in terms of showing up for some games and not showing up for others. So I, I completely take your point. You know, doing it against Killy doesn't make any difference. A 6-0 win does help the goal difference in the unlikely event that we managed to claw back nine points. It makes that 10th point that they've effectively got with a goal difference stop looking quite as bad. I don't think it's something we're ever going to overhaul. Not this season. There's only, what, 12 games left? So I I think overturning a nine-point gap in that is highly, highly unlikely. But all you can do is, is what you can do. You can only play what's in front of you. There's still two more old firms. And I think some of the proof will be in those games in terms of what they play, these players can do. And hopefully we still have another cup to contest for as well. And I would like to think that Michael Beale has set that as his primary objective at this point, because it's not a successful season, even if he wins that cup. And I don't think, like Lundstrom, he will settle for just making the final. I think he wants to get there and win the fucking thing. But there is no question in my mind that he has already made his mind up about some of these players um, that that game will have been a line right there. So it worries, it worries me though. That, like, don't get me wrong. I think today he made clear that there was quite a few players who he's already identified as having no future at Rangers. Mm-hmm. However, whether he's talking about that in the terms of fucking Namde for fucking uh, <laughs> Philip Hellander, Kamar Roof, the likes of players that, have, that are fucking professional hospital patients. We all know that they've not got a future at Rangers. It's the likes of the Lundstroms and the Camaras who are not living up to scratch. And as we've said, and I think we all agreed on there, we need it's it's not a time for trying to I think any any if he goes out there and plays Kamara and Lundstrom on uh, Saturday looking for a reaction, that is not I have faith in these players. That is my stubbornness to try and show that I wasn't wrong for picking that team. This is what these players are capable of and trying mm. to justify his decision in the previous week. I don't think he's stupid enough to give him, to, to make a rod for his own back that way. But mm-hmm. I think I, I think you have to be starting, according to him as well, we've got a, a full selection. So he has to start his strongest 11. Mm. And if if he thinks that by starting Kamara and Lundstrom that that's our strongest 11, then we're in worse, worse shape than we thought we were. No, I don't think that'll be the case. Like you said, it's a rod for his own back at that point, right? So I don't think there's any question we will see a different team than we saw line up against Celtic. Um, I think anything else would be, you know, just just foolish. Mm, But yeah, yeah, it's killing. So ultimately, we're going to be playing against 10 men in their box anyway. So anything we get out of the game is going to be a good result. Just on that, uh, Scott's point there, uh, there was an injury update as well, which we missed out, but I'll just kind of come back to that. Uh, John Souter is available for selection, so we'll see what happens there. He is available for selection, but I think the Rangers have been pretty, uh, you know, consistent with the back four, so I can't see him playing at the weekend. Um, I know there's some doubts about maybe Ben Davis' uh, ability and stuff, and maybe we do need to see more of Souter to see what he can give us. I, I would quite like that. 
to be the case, but I, I don't see it happening. Redvan is apparently back, but he needs a couple of bounce games. Um, so yeah, uh, we are we are with that. Uh, no no update on Roof Lawrence. Um, Haji obviously is available for selection, so it'd be good to see him get some minutes. Um, but I don't think there's anything else that any of you two can actually add to that. It just it is what it is. Um, and like all things Rangers at the moment, it's just fucking depressing. Um, so I round off with just a simple question. What, what, what is a good end to the season? I mean, yeah, we're nine points behind, two old firm games, blah, blah, blah. Win them, that could be three points. Right? It's like highly unlikely, I get that. Um, so there is still at least something to play for. I understand that. Um the a League Cup final defeat should never be an end of the world situation at Rangers because there should always be opportunities after a League Cup, especially with the League Cup being the first trophy up for grabs in a season. But I think it's more to do with the collective failure over the piece that Rangers fans are are this despondent about that defeat on Sunday. Um Andrew, I take your point. Let's go for the Scottish Cup. Uh, let's try and narrow that gap. But to me even if we do narrow gap, even if we do win the Scottish Cup, it's still a systematic failure on the part of the players because they played their part in not winning the other trophy and they played their part in losing the league. But I get that the momentum for Beal would actually be a positive. But um, for me, it doesn't particularly have any real substance behind it, if that is the case. But I think that is probably your best case scenario. Try and just eat away at this gap. Try and win this cup. Don't settle for just playing in the fucking final. I mean, that is just a ridiculous statement. Can't believe we came up with that. Um, you look at the flip side of it, which I'm probably more interested in getting your thoughts on. Another defeat or two against Celtic, not winning the Scottish Cup, the gap widening beyond the nine points, getting into the new season, and then straight away you're right into the Champions League qualifiers where the first game will be a potential banana skin. Um, we're not going to play big hitters in the first game. It'll be the playoffs that we get that. Bill's going to have to rely on a, a, a large majority of these players because we're not going to get like seven, eight, nine players in before the first Champions League qualifier. If Bill then loses that, wow, um, the pressure is is on, and uh, we could be sitting here in September or October and discussing potential new managers. That is how that is how much is riding on the next couple of months on me, Andrew. So I know the idea of going to the football and enjoying it is obviously alien to you, Chris, right? But <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, ta- I'm taking the piss there, you know? No, no, but I'm trying to paint a picture of... Misery, yes. I know. No, 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 not misery. Uh, of that, this, is, this is what Bill could be potentially staring down the barrel of if he goes into battle with these players that he did do in that cup final. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. So a successful season is Scottish Cup win... You can narrow the gap or you cannot. Ultimately, I think it's out of your control if that gap gets narrower. Um, All you can do is try and win the games, right? So that is what it is. Scottish Cup should be should be what he's targeting, right? If that is one of the targets to narrow the gap, surely you you would have to say that is within Rangers control because we've obviously got the two all-fun games. That's the the only aspect of that you can influence, right? I think we need to be careful what you said there as as a successful season. Aye, it's not. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, other than winning, no, there, there's no redemption. I, I'm sorry, like, I, I honestly could not give a flying fuck about the Scottish Cup. And anybody who tries to paint it as a massive trophy that you want to win, 
it's it's beautiful when it's part of a double or a treble, but when it's on its own, no one really fucking cares. And that's the brutal. That is I think the, that that's the, the case with both the cups, right? It's got that, that's the, brutal, the brutal truth. The brutal truth to it, yeah. See, if we were nine points clear and we lost that cup final on Sunday, nobody would be giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. But we're nine points behind and we're losing a final, as in we are not showing a mentality that we're capable of competing. And that's that's effectively what it's done. So this season, as far as I'm concerned, is it's. If, if, if Rangers don't close the gap or do close the gap, regardless of winning the league and they win the Scottish Cup, it won't be a, everybody's cheering for them at Hamden and all oh, will stay late to watch them lift the cup. It's like, you've done what was fucking expected of you. Now, it's been a shambolic season. We move on to the next one. And as Chris said there, we're going to be relying on this show because it's no like us to get our business done early in a transfer window. So, yeah, it's, it's the... It's like getting voted the most handsome man in the Burns unit, you know what I mean? It's just, pff, get to the end of the season, you've won the Scottish Cup, big fucking whoop, right, next. I love doing these pass, honestly. It's just like a little warm bath in my brain. It just makes me happy every time. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, do you know, I, I, I actually agree more with what Scott's saying, but I can also see your point, Andrew, because, you know, kind of, the, the... I think, so, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but I think... When did we start accept, When did we start accepting these lower standards? So, I am I, I don't want to be in a position where I'm defending lower standards or, or saying that this is a fantastic thing. If we get to the end of the season, we win the Scottish Cup. I, I would agree with you completely, Scott. You know, it is what it is. It's not a successful season, but it's what we expect. Realistically... If I want to survive for the next couple of months, I'm going to be going into this game looking for what could be, not what is, right? Because I know the season that we find ourselves in, but you'll drive yourself absolutely crazy if you constantly sit the game and see through everything that happens. Because ultimately, it's sport. You're meant to try and find some joy out of it. So that that's all I can do personally. As a fan, I want to watch the game. I want to hope that my team does well and I want to see some good stuff happening. The people who are responsible for tidying up this shambles, ultimately, I don't have that much influence over them. So I can hope that they do the right thing, but ultimately, I can't influence that or control that. So <laughs> so we are where we are. Um, that That's that's the mindset I'm approaching this with. Actually, all, yeah. all I can do is kind of hope that good things happen, right? I'm, I'm going to have to turn you there, Andrew, because I'm sure, you know, um, we, we, we I'm not, I don't want to divulge too much here personally, but I'm sure we're always your, your connection in America. There should be some wealthy individual there that might be willing to pump some money into Rangers. So you need to really get your finger out here, Andrew, because I'm no, responsible. The, the, the people, like, let, let's break, the, let's really divert from what we're actually talking about in the podcast here, yeah? Well, I mean, all, 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 I'm happy for you to do so. <laughs> all, all, all I know, um, in America are temporary embarrassed millionaires who uh, don't have fucking piles of wealth scratching around. Um, you know the Rangers board, the Rangers board stay in America. That's, that's good for them. That They don't stay in the same places that I do when we go to America, you know. <laughs> Bumfuck nowhere is not the same as New York City, you know. It's a, it's a totally different kettle of fish. So much as I would like to say that I'm going to be an angel investor and I'm going to bring in a fortune to the club, I feel it's unlikely. Well, you can at least try, Andrew, for fuck's sake. Right. Next time I'm back in Virginia seeing the Mrs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> folks, I'll see what money I can scrape together there. But I can't guarantee I'll be able to do that much, man. I can, I can just see you bringing... Uh, would you call him for the Simpsons? Cletus? Cletus? 
back to it's, the, it's like George Yokel, yeah. Guys, that's that's, yeah. A, that's about the standard of letters. Uh, <laughs> letters for fuck's sake. That's the standard of investors. I know their man. Come on. It's fucking. It's, it's spelled Cletus, man. I don't know the pronunciations of American names, especially American redneck names. Come on, give me fucking some. hell, Chris. Jesus. Got me some fucking slack. It's the theme song and everything, you know. Come on, man. <laughs> um, well, do you know what? I'm glad we had this conversation because it's, it's made me smile. It's probably the first time in you know <laughs> your four days I've actually had a smile on my face. So, um, uh, if yeah. nothing else, these podcasts are therapy sessions for us. If anyone enjoys listening to them, that's kind of incidental and fun. Although we are grateful for it. Yeah. Um, and you probably do need some serious help if you listen to these podcasts to make yourself feel better, especially in the current form. So um, reach out if you, you know, um, my DMs are on. I said that quite jovial. I wasn't being serious. <laughs> I don't want else. Um, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting day at Ibrox on Saturday at three. Um, obviously, the resulting performance, I think they'll be a secondary because I'll be interested to see atmosphere. Will there be any potential banners? Um Will there be toxicity, which I, I fully expect? I think there will be. I think if we don't get that early goal, I think the, the, the fans will be right on their back. Um, I can see that. I, I don't see any sort of goodwill from the majority, maybe from the minority. And uh, I have to say that I, I, I think that has to be the theme going forward. There has to be hostility. Um, and I know that a lot of people disagree with that, and I'll probably get a lot of stick for saying so, but um, these directors these coaches these players they need to be in absolute no doubt about how we feel now because i still don't think they understand i really really don't i think bill came across as not fully understanding today i think to scott's point there was some good points but there's still some things i'm just thinking oh there's a disconnect there and by far john lundstrom just does not understand at all and the only way to make the, the guys who are in charge of our weekend happiness. Uh, I say weekend happiness, this has affected me all week, so it could be general happiness. They have to be left in absolutely no doubt how we feel. Uh, we're sick to death. We're working class individuals, Rangers fans, and we need to live with this shit day in, day out. We need to go to work. We need to go to uni. We need to go to other places, and and, and we're obviously going to meet people of the um the, from the other side of the city, and we have it rubbed in our face constantly. Uh, and you know, when there's a you know a small period of unsuccessful uh, Rangers teams, maybe a year or two, we can take that, and you know, because we we can see it coming that we're going to get back, and and then it'll be our turn to do it to them. But when it's been a sustained period of failure that we've had to put up with time and time again in our personal lives, because that, that is what happens. Um, and, and again, I don't think people like John Lundstrom and certainly some of the directors, I don't think they fully understand that. We need to make them aware that this reflects badly on us as individuals. And uh, if protests were to start, if banners were to be unfurled every other week, um, I'm now at the stage where... I felt the the banner at the Tony Macaroni, I felt it was a little bit unnecessary, but see now, the full, as long as it's done in a respectful way, or as respectful as you possibly can, as long as no lines are being crossed, any such banner, any such protest would have my full, um, full support, because I feel that change at some level within the club needs to happen on the park and off the park. On the park stuff, we need to trust as the process is underway, 
But off the park, it's the people who are going to be facilitating that change that has my most worry. Um, so uh, can I comment from both of you, Scott? I'll start with you. Obviously, I'm alluding to Mr Robertson and Ross Wilson. He's not getting a mister. We cannot trust these two to get this rebuild done. Um, and change simply needs to happen. As I say, the players players will leave. That's a guarantee. It's the players that can. It's the players that come in to replace them. Um, and and you've got these two and and Wilson in particular, who's going to be at the forefront of that. There's every possibility it would make it worse. I genuinely think it's uh, for slightly different reasons for me. Uh, Robertson, Bisgrove, Park, all of them, and anyone who's ever voted for it to pass such ludicrous ideas as the Sydney friendly, the shambles that is my jers and pr- fucking this Edmiston House fucking fiasco, which, by the looks of it, we're a bohead away from probably trying to get Amy McDonald to play at it, man. Anybody who's ever come out and had a, an affiliation with Rangers is probably going to be the next one. Uh, or the cunt that did fucking Weller Man or something like that. You, you know who's going to be playing there. It's a fucking waste of time. They're so into treating the, com- the, the company like a... or the, the, the club like a company, sorry, and cl- treating it just like a, a sheer business with an absolute disdain and disconnect from those who are the lifeblood of it. So there's that. Ross Wilson, the reason he has to go is because his record speaks for himself. An absolute shambolic fucking record of signings. And I'm sorry, but a couple of big sales, one big sale effectively, two big sales if you include Patterson and Bassey, I suppose, doesn't make up for the fact that the significant majority less maybe a handful of people who have signed since he's been at the club have either been a flop, they've either left, they've either had a fucking injury-ridden time at Ibrooks, or they've not performed to the levels that, that we wanted them to. So there's just they need to go for different reasons. But no, I'm in full agreement. I was just, The board and Bennett, who seemed to think this was acceptable, this is a strong, the strongest Rangers he's seen and we never rested in the laurels. Fucking hell, man. Pull the other one, I watch him every week. You were, you were, you were having a nap, you can't. So, nah, the board need called out, and as painful as people seem to think it is, the, the one way it dates by no going to games, and trust me, if the team fucking keep playing like this, there'll be a lot less folk going to games. Andrew? Oh, I've been protesting the board since I, I last went to a game back in, you know, October last year. So, you know, I'm, I'm well out. I'm obviously much stauncher than all of you, because I've been protesting since then. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, was, that, was it hospitality you were in? Oh yeah, of course. You know, I wouldn't dare sit with the commoners or anything. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it, I, I agree with what Scott's saying. You know, that this board aren't going to be influenced by banners. I think particularly the only way that they will be influenced is by folk boycotting the game, protesting effectively, or if Dave King wants to finally put his money where his mouth is he could start buying up some of their shareholding and you know as he keeps saying he could do it better so maybe he could prove that but change it doesn't come quickly at board level for rangers you know unless it's around 2013 through 2015 so we um we are likely in for the long haul with some of these people unfortunately but certain players and sorry certain members of this board have been underperforming and you know in a just world they'd be subject to the same performance requirements and and that kind of thing as employees were we know that it doesn't work like that in the world of business so the only thing that we as fans can do is keep making the point 
over and over, louder and louder, in whatever way we can, that what is currently being done isn't acceptable and that more is needed because ultimately they're in place to do a job. They aren't doing a particularly good one right now. Yeah, that sums it up. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. It's a busy week ahead for Rangers. Three games in a week. We've got Kilmarnock at the weekend. We have we have Hibs uh, midweek, and then we have Rafe Robbers in the Cup um, the, the following weekend. So it'll be a busy week next week for Saturday at three. We will have the Kelly review. We'll try and get that out as soon as we can. We'll have the Hibs preview, the Hibs review, and then the Rafe preview. We'll probably double up on maybe the Hibs review and then the, the Rafe preview. Um, but the other two should be standalone pods, uh, Kelly review and the Hibs preview. So um, if you understood that, well done. Uh, so all that's left for me to do is, first of all, thank the listeners, um, as I always do. If you could follow us on any of our social media accounts, uh, we're on, basically we're on them all. Um, I'll try and go through them all. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok. We are on Amazon Music. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. Uh, we're on YouTube. So any like, subscribe or follow is very much appreciated there. Um, when Andrew is signing off here, he will also give you the email address because I really should be more professional in this and write down the email address um, and give you at this point but I always forget and Andrew always saves my bacon so I'll hand over to Andrew very quickly so Andrew thank you very much mate. No, of course it's always a pleasure to be on and uh, it's nice to have a conversation with Scott again because you've been away for far too long mate um, even if we're not talking under the happiest of circumstances but if folk want to get in touch with us contact us by using the highly intuitive email address contact at saturday at three dot co uk um, any ideas, questions, queries, comments, anything. All helps. We all appreciate it. And uh, hell, you might even get yourself an invite onto the show as well. So please reach out if you have anything to say. And Scott, thanks very much, mate. I think Andrew's been too kind. And I think you've been too kind as well. My usual funny disposition. But what else do we expect? Um, yeah, well, there you go. But, I mean... Let's uh, just sign it off at that, Scott. Perfect sign off. Um, yeah, so join us next week. Uh, Kelly Review, Hibs Preview, Hibs Review, and the Rafe Rovers Preview. Busy week ahead next week. Let's hope that um, it's a, a winning week. Um, three out of three has got to be the absolute target. Um, but as Scott said, uh, it won't make a difference to how you feel, but it will certainly start to help, hopefully. Um, so thanks very much for listening.